Oh, all right. Extra video going on. How's everybody doing? Let me hear you. Come on. Good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And as Zenobia said, if you're visiting with us, we really want to encourage you to go and connect. Fill out one of those cards so that we can reach out to you and do our best to answer any questions you might have about the church as well as get you more involved. I always like to take a second and just say thank you to anybody and everybody that is supporting Victory Church, uh, whether it's through your tithes and offerings or any kind of gift that you might do. We are able to do so much because of you. And so not only do we do stuff like this, that is just a fun evangelistic idea and concept, but we're able to do outreach stuff as well. And so, for example, um, last week we talked about what we were able to do at the Southeast Community Center. We were able to give school supplies away. And then just recently, I was invited back to Rock Springs Middle School, where we launched our church. Y'all remember that? It wasn't too long ago that we were setting up and tearing down. Uh, and Principal Wayne, we were able to build a great relationship. He invited us back, invited me back to uh, be able to pray with the teachers and share a little bit. And because of your faithfulness, we were able to provide them lunch. And so we were able to go in, provide every teacher lunch, pray over them, share a little bit of a devotion. And so again, I just wanted to say thank you so much because not only are we doing stuff here in these four walls, but we're doing stuff out in our community. Last but not least, before we get into today's service, I just want to kind of reiterate what Miss Emily said and talking about small groups. I believe that the best thing that you can put alongside a great Sunday morning experience with Jesus is a healthy small group. Because you're going to learn principles in here on a Sunday, but hey, we only got about 45 minutes together. And so you got to take those principles and then you got to be able to put them into your current lifestyle and your daily life with kids and your job. And so it's nothing like having an accountability group, a community that you can hang out with. And so if you've been looking for that, you've been looking for community, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it next week as well. Do yourself a favor, do yourself a favor, and look into these groups, check in on them, find one that's near you, find one that's talking about, we've got women's group, we've got young adult groups, we've got groups that are talking about the mind, we've got groups that are taking the Sunday morning uh, sermon and kind of going through it and breaking it down. So there's literally something for everybody. And so do that, get connected, learn more about it. I promise you, you won't regret it. Uh, if you are visiting with us, as everybody has been saying, this is our favorite series of the year that we do. It's called At the Movies. Again, it's 100% evangelistic. Our goal is to be able to open up the doors to people who might not normally come to church, to be able to come in and experience just how fun church can be and just how good God is. And so we take kind of today's hits and we break them down a little bit and bring biblical truth. And so do me a favor, go ahead and open up your popcorn. Go ahead and pop your Cokes so that we don't interrupt from this point forward. That's a beautiful sound. Uh, and let's get ready for today's hit and part two of At the Movies. Watch this. Come on, put it up for Encanto. How many of y'all have seen the movie? If you've seen the movie, raise your hand. So it's pronounced Encanto, in case you don't know. Uh, our missionary, Katie Carter, to Costa Rica, messaged me uh, a couple weeks ago and said, so you know, when you get up there and talk about that movie, pronounce it right. And I said, yes, ma'am, uh, Encanto. Uh, the reason we chose this movie, if you've ever seen it, is because the entire movie focuses on this family that is gifted. They, they have these special gifts. Everybody in the family has a gift, and everybody ends up being identified by their gift. And so you'll see some people have, you know, as you saw in the preview, one of the ladies has the ability to heal by food, and one of them is very strong, and one of them can shape shift and turn into people. And this family is defined by their gifts. And I picked it because I think today in our culture, it's very easy for you and I to feel surrounded by the pressure 
to be special. That there's just, whether we want to admit it or not, as we're just kind of going through life, there's this pressure on you and I to, to feel special, to be special. And then as a result, we start looking inside of ourselves, trying to find something that would make us unique or that would make us be set apart. And then what ends up happening is we start looking to the world to be able to allow them to identify what's great about us. We start looking for other people and we we start going, you know, start kind of investigating different kinds of gifts. We start comparing ourselves to others, all because we think we're supposed to be special or we have that pressure to be special. And we're desperately trying to figure out what sets us apart, what makes us unique. I remember when I first started dating Darla, just for those of you that don't know the way I was raised, I was raised in the hood. And so there was a lot of things that we just didn't do. We played basketball a lot, but we didn't get out on the water very often. We weren't near water. We couldn't afford to get on water. And so when I started dating Darla, that became a pretty common thing for us because that's what her family did. They were very athletic, and so they would get out on the water. And I remember one time, it was one of our first trips, I get invited to go to the lake with them. And, and her brother was one of those guys, just real buff, you know, re- he worked out a lot, he was very athletic, and I wasn't. That just wasn't something that was, you know, it wasn't my gifting, let's just put it that way. And so we're on a boat one day, and we're out in the middle of the lake, and we're getting near one of those cliffs that you jump off of. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, her brother says, I'm going to jump off that cliff. So he jumps out of the boat. We're still like, I don't, I don't know the distance. It felt like, you know, 100 yards, but it probably wasn't that far. But he jumps out the boat, and he swims all the way to the island area where the cliff is. And instead of being like a normal human being and getting out on lower ground and walking up to the top of the cliff, he starts to climb the cliff, y'all. Like, I don't even know. He's not impressing anybody. It's his family. I don't know what we're doing. He's climbing the cliff. So as this is happening, now I'm thinking, I've got to impress Darla, right? Like, this is what she's around. This is, I, I need to do. So I pretend like this is my gift, and I'm like, I'll do it too. So I jump out of the boat. I swim over to the cliff. Just swimming to the cliff was too much for me. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm dying, breathing hard. And now I gotta climb up this cliff. And so I start climbing up the cliff, and it's slippery, and I'm slipping, and I feel like I'm gonna die. You know, me and Jesus are getting real close on this cliff. And I finally get to the top of the cliff, and now I understand that what we're gonna do is we're going to jump off the cliff to impress no one. You know what I mean? Like, he's not impressing anybody. I'm trying to impress Darla. And so we get up to the top of the cliff, and there's this long line. And, and what, I'm, like, I'm like, okay, we're going to get in line. I'm going to have time to contemplate this. And then all of a sudden I realize, like, if I have time to contemplate this, I'm not going to follow through with this. And I need to impress my girlfriend who's down in the boat. And this is her brother. And this is what she's used to. So I just decide last minute, I'm just going to skip the line. And so I just turned around and I took off running and just jumped off the cliff. I mean, just in the air, like, here I am. You know, like, this is everything you've ever dreamed of. But in the process... I didn't quite think through how to jump off a cliff. I don't know if you've ever jumped off a cliff. It's different than jumping in a swimming pool. I didn't know that at the time. And so as I'm in the air, it just feels like I have forever to think about this. And the best conclusion I came up with was I should cannonball, right? Like that's just what you do. Y'all are ahead of me. You know what's about to happen. (laughs) 
And so then, like, I don't know what it was, 50 feet or whatever it was, I fall straight down and cannonball into the water. It's one of those, like, spiritual enemas, you know what I mean, that just kind of happens right in that moment. And I come out of the water, and I'm, I'm so destroyed, that's the best word I can come up with, that I'm just, like, in the water like this, just floating, you know. And they just come over to the boat and just kind of drag me into the boat. And, you know, it's just one of those moments where I just realized that's not my gifting. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not going to be special if that's what it takes. And I just think that there's this, this place for us where if we're not careful, we'll start to look to the world to know what we're great at. We'll start trying out all these different gifts until we figure out what we're great at. And we'll start comparing ourselves to other people. And so this word, this message for today is for anybody who currently is or whoever has allowed their ability to define their identity. <laughs> Maybe your gift is being in denial. One of the best things about this movie is when the tension is introduced because you have this entire family that finds their identity in their gift. And then all of a sudden the main character, Mirabelle, she doesn't have a gift. Everybody else has a certain birthday party and they go and they touch the door and the door reveals their gift and when it's time for her to do it, there's no gift. And so you have a family that's identified by their gifts, and then all of a sudden you have a family member who has no gift. Likewise, our culture has a way of identifying us by our gift, creating us and moving us and causing us to believe that our value lies in what we can do. From a very early age, we are separated by our gifts. Even in school, you start to get separated by your ability to perform. Can you sing? Can you play an instrument? Can you play a sport? Are you overly you know, intelligent? Are you funny? And we already start to kind of get divided up by what we can do. And so naturally, from an early age, we start to think that we are determined and defined by what we do, that our value lies in what we do. And watch this. The better we are at something, the harder it is to not identify ourselves by it. There's a book I read by a famous author called Scary Close. And this guy, this author, particular author, he had a, a struggle with his insecurities. He had a really hard time finding value in who he was. And so in one of the chapters, he talks about going away to kind of this therapeutic retreat, this uh, counseling retreat, I guess you would say. And it's all about, you know, anonymity, that nobody wants to know who you are. That's kind of the process. And so they do different things. They take your phone, they take away your watch, they do all these things, and in, in the interview, in the book, when he's talking about it, he says, the hardest thing for me wasn't when they took away my phone. He said, the hardest thing for me wasn't when they took away my watch or any of the things they put us through. He said, the hardest thing for me, and watch this, and he said, and the hardest thing for everybody at the retreat was they would not allow us to tell other people what we did for a living. He said, they wouldn't allow us to introduce ourselves by our first and last name. It was just our first name, his first name's Donald. And so he said, all I could do was tell people, hi, I'm Donald. And he said, everybody at this retreat center was, was rich or famous in some context, and everybody struggled with the ability to not be able to introduce themselves by what they do. Because that's the way we are. Think about it. When you meet somebody for the first time, you ask them two questions. What's your name? Blank. And what? What do you do? Because culture has taught us that our value is defined by what we do. So it's natural. So all of a sudden, now you got this author, and he, he can't do it. He can't tell people that he's a famous author. He can't tell people he's Donald blank, because then people might know he's a famous 
author. He just has to walk in the room and introduce himself as Donald. I think we think we have to be attractive or powerful or skilled in some way, that we must have some kind of gift that makes us likable. I think that we're taught that there has to be something about us that we do that will all of a sudden move us into a place where other people will find value in us. And we begin to believe the lie that we only matter if, we only matter if we can do that. Now here's what's cool. In Mark chapter 9, there is a similar tension introduced between Jesus and the disciples that was introduced in the movie Encanto with Maribel. And what happens is this man brings his son to Jesus, and he gets, it's in Mark chapter 9, verses 17, 18, and he says a few things. He said, look, I brought you my son. He's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech, so he can't talk. He says whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, so he has these fits and these seizures. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. But watch this. The man says, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit. I asked your disciples to hear him, heal him. I asked your disciples to use their gift to answer my prayer, and they could not do it. The same tension for Maribel is now introduced to the disciples. They have been following Jesus around, and Jesus has been telling them that now you have the authority to do. Jesus once told them, you will do greater things than I'm doing. And so it had been very easy to start identifying themselves. Jesus was being identified by what he was doing. So it had been very easy for his disciples to be identified by what they could do. And now all of a sudden, they can't. And when we have become known by what we can do, let me ask you a question. What happens to our identity when all of a sudden we can't? When we are identified by what we can do. What happens to that identity when all of a sudden we can't? When we think that our value lies in what we do, when we think our identity is in our gift, then we will struggle, watch this, when there is a threat of that gift being removed. When you think you are what you do, then you will have an interesting threat inside of you any time that what you do is threatened to be removed. I think we all experienced a sense of this in the year of 2020, and everybody had different incidences and, and situations that they had to deal with, but I think everybody kind of dealt with this because for just a moment, everything that we did was shifted. Everything that we did was taken away. They actually say that pastors struggled with this the most out of majority of people because they went from preaching to congregations to talking to a camera by themselves, and they had identified themselves by what they did. And I'll be honest with you, and I've shared this with you before, I was even in that same moment because when this is what you've done for so long, and then all of a sudden you can't do it, it's natural that you fall into this kind of rut where you start to think that you are what you do. And when all of a sudden that's taken from you, when all of a sudden that talent's gone or that job is gone or that relationship's gone, when all of a sudden whatever you thought identified you is removed, you don't really know what to do. 
And so we went from, you know, collecting as a church and having church to where I was in my living room with a, a janky iPhone holder and my phone, you know, and I've got kids screaming upstairs because they're not in school, right? And so you're trying to balance all this out and figure out what you're doing. And I can't talk to anybody. We don't know what anybody's doing. Couldn't go to the gym. I'm running around our neighborhood. And there was just moments where I really struggled with, who am I? And then after a while, things started to kind of shift. Because I went from being in ministry for 15 plus years to now I'm just at home. I'm having to reach out to people and through Facebook and different things. And there became this moment where I started to like, it was just so funny, Darnell and I dealt with this. Um, our kids, when we would go out to eat, we, we were having dinner with people every night because we were trying to start the church and grow the church. And so when we would go out to eat, our kids would say to us, who are we going out to eat with? That's, that's how often we had, and now we had nobody to go out to eat with because nobody was going out, Right? So every night, we were at home at the dinner table with our kids, and I started being reminded who I was as a father, and now I'm reminded of who I was as a husband. Many of you know this, I, I adventured out and started trying to grow vegetables, right? And I successfully grew one green pepper, but for me, it was a huge success. Like, I was like, I was Gordon Ramsay, like, what you got, you know? But it was just those moments where you, because that was removed, now I was forced to really face, well, who am I? Because when you are identified by what you do, and then what you do is removed, you are forced to look in the mirror and ask yourself, who am I? God has a way of removing the gift, or at least removing the opportunity to use that gift, if it will help us see, watch this, that we are not the gift. God will remove it. For some of us, that gift for so long has identified who we are, that God loves us so much, you think God's punishing you. God removed it because he loves you and because he wants you to be able to realize who you are and who you are is not the gift. And for, therefore, for some of us, God's not going to un unlock that gift in our life until he knows that we can find our identity outside of it. Tell me y'all didn't want to hit that dance move. Prep, prep, press. You're like, yeah. Y'all going to be at home practicing that. The, the, the line that she said, I, I feel like I'm worthless if I can't provide some type of service. That's incredible to me because that's what we're taught, that unless there's something we can provide, we're worthless. What we have to understand about our gift, watch this, is that our gift is not what God made us for. It's what God made for us. God didn't make us for the gift. God made the gift inside of us for us. And if we're not careful, the, the, the gift that God gave us to serve us will start to enslave us. And our gift will become a prison. For as long as I can remember, I wanted to be able to sing. Now, y'all know this. If you're a part of Victory Church, you know this is my passion. I pray every day that the Lord would one day allow me to wake up with the ability to all of a sudden sing. Uh, don't judge me by this, but one of the first movies where I ever performed was the movie Dirty Dancing. Have y'all seen that movie? If you haven't, if you have, don't admit it because you could go to hell for it. But but it was just, I would just stand in front of the TV and perform. And then as I got older, certain songs came out. And there were just certain songs that made me wish I could sing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
Like a song comes out and it's like, that's why. I, there was this song that came out. It was called They Don't Know by an artist named John B. Y'all know that song by any chance? Oh, that song came They don't know. I got the little, I, I didn't, I couldn't grow facial hair at the time, but I tried to get the little chin strap beard thing that he had, you know what I mean? I just wanted to be John, I was going to be John T. You know what, y'all get that? No? Okay. Um, and and uh, then this other song came out, it was called All My Life by Casey and JoJo. All my life. I, said this, I, I, I do this so I can sing up here in front of you, right? Because where are you going to go? You can't leave, you know what I mean? If I got security at the door, you have to sit in here and listen to me. It was just, I just always wanted to sing. But obviously, by now you can tell, I can't sing. You know what I mean? And so I always thought because I didn't have the gift that I just didn't have, you know, there was nothing. I was just worthless because I couldn't do We would be in school, and they would have talent shows. And all of the talents I didn't have. They'd be like, you could sing, and I'd go, I can't sing. And they go, you could dance, and I'd go, I can't dance. And they go, you could do magic, and I'm like, I can't do magic. I, I, literally, but, but here's what happened. The only gift I had is I could talk. Yeah. It's the only gift I ever had. I could talk, man. I could run my mouth like crazy. I was so good at checking people. This is what I was known for in high school. It's like I could, I could cut, they say I could cut you with my words. I was so good at talking, but here's all I ever heard. Teachers would tell me this, you're never going to get anywhere because you talk too much, right? They're telling me, you don't have a gift. Guess what? I found a way to use it. You know what I mean? Like, apparently it's a gift. And here's what I'm learning. It's not about what you do. It's why you do it. If your why is right, then your what won't matter. God will find whatever it is. Whatever you think it is, God gave you a gift. Can, can I, look, you shouldn't have brought your kids here because we have V kids, so get ready. You ready? You ready? Everybody sucks at something. Everybody. Look at the person beside you. Them. Doesn't matter how beautiful they are. Doesn't matter how good. They, they suck at something. Now watch this. If that's true, do you agree that that's true? Yes, of course it is. If that's true, then this is true. Everybody in here is great at something. Everybody in here is great at something. But God didn't make you for your gift. He made your gift for you. And listen, the Bible says that God would have the rocks sing out. It said if he needs to, if nobody's going to worship him, he'll make the rocks sing. Which tells me that his concern is not the what. His concern is the why. His concern isn't what we do, it's why we do it. So let's go back to Mark chapter 9 for a moment. Jesus ends up healing the boy, and after he heals the boy, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, hey, why couldn't we heal that boy? They, you know, he, they, he brought him to us, and, and why couldn't we heal him? And then Jesus, depending on what version you're reading and what particular gospel you're reading, he says something like this. He says, this kind, talking about that particular demon, this kind can only come out with prayer, and in other versions say prayer and fasting. He says, that kind, the kind that you were dealing with there could only come out with prayer and fasting. But here's what I thought was interesting. After Jesus says that, oh, I'm sorry, before Jesus healed the boy, there is nothing in Scripture where Jesus stopped to pray or fast before he healed him. He said that this kind could only come out with prayer and fasting, but there's no record of Jesus praying before 
he healed the boy. There's no record where you can read where it said Jesus stopped for a minute and said, come back in 24 hours. I need to fast. I need to pray, and then we'll heal him. It says Jesus healed him, proving to us this, that Jesus was not talking about a process of activity. Jesus was talking about an attitude because Jesus was always walking in prayer. Scripture says that he would pray every morning. So he's not talking about activity. He's talking about attitude. And what Jesus is doing in Mark chapter 9, watch this, is he's restoring order. He's saying at some point you got it twisted. And I had this thought as I was reading it. Is it possible that the disciples were trying to heal the boy without Jesus? Is it possible that they were trying to do it on their own and that Jesus sees it so he needs to reset the order because he sees, watch this, that the gift is starting to take precedent over the giver. And Jesus says, hold on, we got to do something. Is it possible? This, this is where my mind goes. Is it possible that God knew it so he turned off the disciples' power for a moment so that it wouldn't work? So that they would have to come to Jesus and say, why didn't it work? And Jesus would be able to say, the problem is not your what, it's your why. The problem is that you do have a gift or don't have a gift. The problem is why you are using the gift to begin with. The gift's purpose is not to identify you. But at some point, the gift has become more important than the giver. And this is one of the most dangerous things that you and I can experience when we start talking about our gift is the moment that we start being more excited about the gift that God gave us instead of the one who gave it to us. The gift itself was supposed to draw us into intimacy with more, wanting more intimacy with the giver. Watch it. Not to identify us separate from him and move us to a place where we could operate without him. The other day, I told y'all a little bit about this. I got the opportunity to hang out with my 12-year-old. And while we were hanging out and she was asking me all the questions about Stranger Things, I mentioned this to y'all a couple weeks ago, but at one point, we, we shifted subjects and we started talking about what she might do with her life, like what she wants to do when she grows up. And in the middle of me asking this, she stopped and she said, how much do you make doing what you do? Yeah, and I was like, first of all, rude. You know what I mean? Like, enough to feed your hungry mouth, you know? And I said, well, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you that, first of all. But second of all, why? Why? I said, genuinely what I said. I said, are you thinking about getting into, like, full-time ministry? Honest truth. She looked at me and she said, if they pay me enough. <laughs> I said, what? I said, so you're telling me that it ain't about ministry, it's about money? You know what I mean? Like, what's, what have I done? What have I raised? You know, like her whole concept, she's all about the gift. She could care less about the giver. She's trying to get that money, you know what I mean? She's trying to get the bag. And it made me think about another time we were in the school. We were still setting up the church. This young man had started attending the church, and every time he talked to me, he talked to me about how he wanted to be a, a pastor. He would always, you know, I want to be a pastor. What I got to do to be a pastor? What I got to do to be a pastor? Always asking me that because people will see moments like this, and they think, man, what I got to do to be a pastor? What I got to be a pastor? And just so you're clear, this is about 2% of what a pastor does, maybe 1%. And, and so I'm trying to talk to him at the time. I'm, I'm literally setting up the church in the school at the time on a Friday night. And I stopped and I looked at him. I said, I'll tell you what, if you want to become a pastor, the first thing you need to do is you need to be here every Friday night helping us set up this church. He said, I got you. I never saw him again. <laughs> never saw him again. Because in that moment, y'all, in that moment, his focus is not the giver. 
It's the gift. And when your focus is the gift, not the giver, when they don't clap, you quit. When there's not a moment where it elevates you, you no longer want to be a part of it. Because it's about the gift, it's not about the giver. And at some point, we've lost the heart of the gift that God gave us. The purpose of it. The gift was never meant to identify who we are. It was meant to help reveal to ourselves and to others who God is. Whatever gift you have, maybe you're attractive, maybe you're funny, maybe you can sing, maybe you can play sports, maybe you're smart. Whatever gift you have, listen to me, that gift was not given to you to reveal who you are. That gift was given to you so that you could use it to help reveal to you and to other people who God is. That's what that gift's about. We talked last week about who you are in God, and then he gave you this gift just to continue to affirm how he loves you, to affirm who you are to him. But the world pushes us to a place that says, no, no, you are the gift. I'm not the gift. I'm not the gift. In fact, the real gift, the true gift, it's you. When, uh, when it came time to watch this movie, you know, my wife had been telling me about it. She's like, it's so good, you got to watch it. And it was real popular. You know, everybody was singing the, we don't talk about Bruno. So my wife was out of town, and I got Casey Ray. I thought we could use it as like some daddy-daughter time, you know. I said, hey, let's go watch this movie, because I'm thinking about preaching on it for at the movies. And so we get in the bed, and we're watching it, and Casey Ray's seven, so she's still a little antsy. You know, she's all over the place, and it gets to that scene now. If you've liked the clips, you got to watch the movie because the character arch and for her, for her to have this moment where she thinks she lacks value because she doesn't have a gift and then to find out the best thing that could have ever happened to her and her family is to realize that she's not the gift. And there's this moment where like at the end, you know, they're walking, that little boy hands her that doorknob and he says, you know, this one's for you. I start to cry. I'm in the bed, grown man. And I'm crying, and it gets to that part where the Bruno guy steps up and he says, you're the real gift, kid. Let us in. And I, I'm, I'm just breaking. And all of a sudden, I feel something on my big toe, and I look down, and my daughter has my big toe in her mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, God, what are you doing here? Like, I'm all emotional, and I'm broken. so funny because there's just moments in our life where we're taught that we're only worth something if we can provide something and do something. A couple years ago, my pastor's wife, Kelly Woods, reached out to Darla got to gain my composure for this story. And uh, if you know Darla, she, 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 she just makes your life better. Like, like when she walks into your life, your life's just better. I'm not even supposed to be doing this yet, guys. I got to get this stuff together. I'm a professional. And uh, so, so Kelly reaches out to Darla and she says, oh, thanks, go sit down. Get away from me. Uh, <laughs> 
I hate you, Tay. Uh, um, so she reaches out to her and she says, there's this company, Arbonne. It's kind of a health company. They do, they do makeup and they do you know, health products and so on. And she goes, I, I think you'd be great at it. And if you know Darla, she's really into health. She's really, she's beautiful. So she's really into, and she's just, she's great at everything. So it just made sense. And so immediately she gets into this business and, and she starts, you know, being, being progressive in the business. And all of a sudden, all the higher up ladies, they, they want her to lead the devotions and they want her to lead the groups. And they're inviting her to all these VIP trips because they see something in her. And, you know, the company is just like any company. You're selling products, and then as you sell products, you know, there's more investment and more money there and all these different things, and they just keep casting all this vision on her. You know, you're this, I see this, one day you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and, and it's true. I believe it, it's true. But sometimes it doesn't quite go like that, right? Sometimes how you think it should go isn't quite how it's going, and maybe you don't see yourself being as successful as you thought you should be, and so on, and Again, if we're not careful, we can miscommunicate God's purpose for our gift. And we can start thinking our gift is about us, but our gift is about somebody else coming to know Jesus. So her very first client to ever buy anything from her was a young girl that we knew back in Memphis. She was a part of our ministry back in Memphis, and we hadn't seen her or talked to her in years. And so she reaches out to Darla, and she's wanting to kind of get her health back under control. And so, I don't know, 2018, 2019, she buys her first product. Now, it's important for you to understand that for whatever reason, this young lady had walked away from God. When we knew her, she was a church-attending believer, but she was kind of raised up in legalism and kind of a law-based theology. And so every time she messed up, she felt like she was a failure and she got further and further away from God to where now at this point, as she's buying these products from Darla, she is a professed, uh, I don't know if she's a professed atheist, but she's not following God in that moment in her life. Well, here's the thing about Darla. When you get around her and you talk to her, you know something's different about her. And so at some point it comes out that it's Jesus. And so every time that she would talk to this young lady about you know, her products and her health, at some point it would turn back to Jesus. And this went on for weeks and months and years to where about a year later, no, no, two years later, after she had bought this first product, Darla has this accountability group with a couple of ladies from the church, Christina Tavares and, and Kristen Towns, and they're, they're a part of this, this small group. And she invites this young lady to be in this small group. Now this young lady's sharing her struggles and more women of God are encouraging her. So now, watch this. What started off as, I need a health product. What started off as, I need to lose some weight. Now she's part of this group that's encouraging her in the Lord. And so she would reach out and talk to these ladies and say, I'm thinking about trying to church. She said, but you know, I did this and I messed up here. And just would go on and they would encourage her and share scripture with her. A couple months ago, she on her way home from the gym, passes a church. And she says, I'm going to go try this church. She walks into it, and watch this. It's a church that sets up and tears down in a school. So there's just something in her that thinks maybe she won't be judged, judged as much. And she goes to it, and they're preaching the gospel. She rededicates her life. She's in Mississippi. Watch this, guys. Today, today in Mississippi, She's being baptized. 
And she has no idea I'm talking about this. She sent us the link so we could watch it. And Darla's sharing this with me. And I'm thinking about this moment with you. And I'm thinking about how easy it would be for Darla to define that gift by success. And totally miss the fact that the gift is not about us. But it's about the opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. God already knew it. There's a reason God lets you sing. There's a reason you can't sing. There's a reason you're athletic. There's a reason why you're extra smart. There's a reason. But it's not to glorify you. It's to lift up God. It's to lift up the kingdom. It's to lead somebody to an opportunity to find Jesus. Scripture says that we were reconciled to God through Jesus. And as a result, you and I have the ministry of reconciliation. Watch this. In 1 Peter, the author goes on to say, Each of you should use whatever gift you have, whatever gift you have, which means you have a gift. Whatever gift you received, use it to serve others. Do it as a faithful servant, faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Watch this. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Here's my favorite part. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. The gift is you. And the goal of the gift is so that you can grow in God and so that other people can come to know Him. Here's a better way to say it. Before you find Jesus, your whole life is about finding Jesus. Once you find Him, your whole life is about sharing Him. There's two people in this room today. There's people that don't know Christ yet. And today is about you finding Jesus. It's about you accepting Christ in your heart. Him saving you from your sins. His grace covering every mistake. The other group of people are those who stand in that grace. And your purpose is to share Jesus through your gifts. Do me a favor, would you stand with me for a moment? Worship team, I'm going to go ahead and invite you up. I'm going to invite my prayer team down real quick. We love to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. Side note, if you're in here and you're trying to figure out how to use your gift to impact people's lives, we can help with that. Next two Sundays, we'll have what we call Growth Track, which is an opportunity for you to go and hear more about the church, find out what your gifting is, and find a way to use it. Last Sunday after church, I talked to many, many people who were walking out talking about how they were blessed by God in this experience. And everything that's gone on today has happened because of dream team members who have used their gift to make it happen. Some of you are in here right now without your kids. 
and you're thankful for that. And your kids have been hearing about Jesus all morning, but you've been able to get in here and peacefully hear about Jesus yourself. That's because somebody's using their gift to help share Christ. Some of you walk in today, you were met at the door with smiling faces, people directing you, telling you where the bathroom is, handing you popcorn, handing you Cokes, and immediately that wall started to go down and say, okay, maybe this isn't so bad. That was dream teamers who were using their gifts to share Jesus. As you sit in here today and you listen to worship and you watch video and production and lights and all this atmosphere that puts you in a place where you can kind of sit and really take in Jesus, that's because of dream teamers who are using their gift to share Jesus. So you can do it right here. I encourage you to do that. But like the story of Darla, you can do it in every aspect of your life. You're going to go to work tomorrow, you can do it there. You're going to go to a restaurant in a few minutes, you can do it there. I think it's time for us to take back our gift. And here's what I mean by that. Take back the attitude that we're doing it to be able to bring glory to God. So I'm going to pray, but before I do that, if there's anybody in here who's never accepted Christ as your Savior, you're not even sure what it means to be a Christian, we would absolutely love to walk with you through that. So there'll be some prayer team members down here, as you can see. I just want to encourage you that I'll pray, and when I say amen, our worship team's going to take us back into a song, and that's a time for you to respond. If you need prayer for anything, that's what we're here for. You walked into this place today with something. The presence of God is in this place, and he wants to be able to touch your need. But it's awesome when you can have somebody pray with you. So I encourage you to do that this morning. I encourage you, as you walk out of this place, start asking yourself, how can I use the gift God's given me? Whatever that gift is, not to identify me, but to help share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you right now for your word. Thank you right now for this opportunity, for your presence. Think about what we've been taught in our culture, that our value lies in what we do. And even as we talked about last week, our value is already determined by you. And so not only are we not identified by our gift, but our gift is something you've given us to use to not only affirm your love for us, but to help show your love to other people. Right now, I pray in this place for every person that's never accepted you as their Savior, any person in here who's fallen away from you, and Father, they're wanting to run back to you. What an opportunity this morning to do that. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart. I pray that you would give us the opportunity to be able to agree with them and stand with them. Thank you for this opportunity, Father. I like to say every week that I can preach your word, but I can't change a life. So now do what only you can do. Start to speak to hearts. Start to change lives, change attitudes. Minister to people in this place, Father. For it's Jesus and Jesus alone. All we need is you, Jesus. Have your way in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.